0: So, last week we were um, in the sermon uh, from Peter at Pentecost after the coming of the Holy Spirit. Um, so, we're going we're gonna to wrap that up today. In the systematic theology section, we're actually um, on the effectual call, or effectual calling, and the gospel call. Um, so, we kind of spoke about that last week. And, and what I wanted to do kind of towards the end of the class last week was walk through Peter's sermon at Pentecost um, and kind of use that as as something of a blueprint or a guide for how we ought to approach the presentation of the gospel. So um, just for the sake of review, quickly, I want us to kind of think about a couple of things that, that we see in this uh, kind of template for, uh, excuse me, for gospel presentation in general. Um, first uh, and foremost, we, we see that uh, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. That... Uh, happens there at the Day of Pentecost. Peter steps forward. Uh, Peter is proclaiming the Word of God numerous times in his sermon here. He goes on long runs of just reading Scripture. So um, speaking from the prophet Joel in verses 17 um, all the way down through 21, he's presenting the Scripture. Uh, so like that's something that we ought to consider as we're presenting the Gospel. One, we ought to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Second, um, we ought to be founded firmly in the scriptures and and if we find ourselves straying far from the scriptures in in uh, any gospel presentation we are not presenting the gospel but we're presenting our own ideas um, let us um, uh, being humorous and, and having jokes and being a, a, a good um, like speaker in front of people is great and wonderful, but we can do all of that and and still find ourselves just being a, a noisy gonging symbol um, if we're not presenting the gospel in in love. So let's make sure that we stay firmly fixed in the word of God uh, as we do that. Then we find kind of in verses uh, 22 down through uh, 24 here, we find uh, kind of another key point um, is as he's presenting the gospel, he's presenting a gospel of a big God, right? This is not a a God that cowers. This is not a God um, who needs... um, worry about whether or not his plans will uh, come to the ends that he set forward for them uh, but instead he uses um all of human history uh, working forward to his to his plan Um, and verse 23 that this jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of god and then we see this kind of coupled with the reality of the the responsibility of the sinfulness of man because he says you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men, verse twenty-four. God raised him up. So again, this idea of a, a big God, a powerful God, uh, not even death can can hold. Verse twenty-four. God raised him up, loosened the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by death. Literally, could not hold him captive. And then we find him continuing this this uh, presentation of the gospel here. He's going back and quoting scripture, speaking of David here in verse. 25 through 28, and then we see another kind of key point that we ought to um, consider as we're presenting the gospel is that as he presents scripture, he brings clarity and alignment with how that scripture points us to Christ, right? So he goes He goes on to show like, hey, David's dead. Jesus is the one that this was ultimately talking about here. Um, and then we get uh, down into verse 34 where we kind of picked up last week. And um, last week, one of the things that I'd kind of mentioned um, is that we we're going to be looking towards verse 39 here, the last part of which um, we see, uh, he says, whom the Lord God calls to himself, this idea of uh, calling being something uh, that we've been kind of diving into with this with this particular study. So I want to start in verse 34, and we're just going to kind of press forward uh, into that. Today's uh, lesson is likely not going to be a long one because we're just going to kind of get there and then just just consider what we've learned so far and and ask God to kind of just um, strengthen us and and encourage us that we would be uh, the type of people who um, seek to present the gospel to those um, who are lost. So verse 34. For David did not ascend into into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So again, here we see this presenting of the scriptures here and then kind of, digging through the Scripture and and presenting clarity about how that points to Christ. So David said this in verse 34. He's quoting from David here. And then verse 36, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. So again, this big God, this powerful God, this is, this is the God that we serve. This is the God that we ought to be presenting when we present uh, the Gospel, has made him, that is, Christ, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So I want us to consider that the way that he words this, right? So like as we present the gospel, there, there will be times that we ought to choose our words extremely carefully. We ought to always consider what it is that we say, especially when presenting the gospel. But there are times where it is worth putting in extra work in considering how to present the gospel considering the context of those that we'll be presenting it to but what I want us to guard against is this tendency to select our words so as to not bring offense okay now we ought never to go out of our way to be offensive but the gospel message is an offense the gospel message says things like, Whom you crucified, right? The gospel message presents the position that the lost is in as one of enemies to the God who's all powerful, right? And nobody wants to in. No one likes to hear that. That's not something that makes us comfortable. It's uncomfortable. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's offensive, right? It's offensive. But note here in verse 36 how he he doesn't mince words here, right? Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Right? Like sin here their sin particularly is at the forefront of this presentation. He's not here he's not here soft peddling the idea that they are enemies of god that they are sinful that they he's he's not here presenting to them that like you're okay but you could be better right like that's not like the gospel doesn't tell us you're okay you could be better like your best is filthy racks Like, this is, this is the reality of where we stand apart from the work of Christ. So when we present the gospel, though there are times that we ought to be extremely precise, that we ought to thread the needle so as to get the gospel across, we ought not soften The reality that those who we preach in hope for salvation to come to them are dead in their trespasses. And there's no nice way of saying you're on a path towards hell, right? Like ultimately, that will be offensive. So when we present the gospel, we ought to be comfortable knowing that those that we're presenting the gospel to now there there are um, like there's the gospel that grows us right like that like there's the gospel that grows us as believers where well, we hear these things and it can be offensive even in those. Even in that hearing that maybe we still have work that needs done on us. But then there's a particular offense that comes when you tell somebody that they're not good. Right? Like the reality is, is that the lost believed themselves to be good. You, before you came to Christ, believed yourself to be good. Part of the presentation of the gospel is that convincing And ultimately, the Spirit of God does this work in our hearts. That convincing that, no, 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 you're not good. You are a sinner. You are lost. And if we present the gospel without also presenting that reality, that apart from God, the wrath of God rests on you, then we're not doing justice to the presentation of the gospel here. I
1: think when we speak, as God's Word then the offense is where it needs to be yeah and I know this just came to my mind Blake went to Brazil one of one of his mission trips and one of the things that he said to the people there was God has sent me to tell you yeah and I think that we forget that we are ambassadors for Christ yeah and that a lot for sure we share the gospel and we want to get the attention for it, that's something I'm like praying about my own self. I make sure that all the intentions on the Lord yeah. and that it comes from
0: His word. And that's, I think that that last part is the is the piece that's most critical. We and and as a teacher, as a as a preacher, like one of the dangers, one of the pitfalls is like when we when. when I consider myself when I'm when I'm looking at this book and I'm reading this book I'm as close as I can be to truth. When I look up from this book and I start talking and explaining and trying to dig in the longer that I'm that I'm looking upwards and not into the book the more I am at risk of straying from what it is that I'm saying. So we ought to be we, the the reason that I point out that several times, like he doesn't he doesn't come here and open the book and then read something and then it's like an entire sermon now, where the only time that this and I'm not dogging people that that necessarily do this, okay, but I, I am saying that there's a there's a definite danger in this. If you if the only time during your 45 minute sermon that you read from the text is at the very beginning. There's a danger. There's a risk. Um, That's a dangerous pattern to follow as someone trying to present the gospel. As As Peter, filled with the Spirit, is presenting the gospel, he's continuing to go back to the text. Yes, clinging to the text is an essential part of presenting the gospel because it is this word that keeps us in line. Right, So as you present the gospel, if you present the gospel and you're more time out of the book than in the book, it's not saying that that couldn't be an effective sermon, but as the presenter of the gospel, you are taking on an immense amount of risk that you were not built for.
1: Maybe that's why he told the disciples, don't think about what you're going to say before you're
0: asked to.
1: Yeah. You know, because if you do that, you're going to spend too much time thinking about what you want to say and what you know yeah rather than just being focused on the word and you know. there's
0: something to be said for preparation yeah, right there's something to be said for preparation but it is preparing in the text. yes you're preparing in the word right yes and and like even a lesson to like young preachers would be like Spend more time in the Scriptures than you do in commentaries, than you do in outside um, work, because it is through the Word of God primarily that the Holy Spirit is working in us, leading us to truth. Here, so he continues. He continues this presentation of the gospel here, and as as he does, right, he's bringing this hard truth. Like Israel, know this for certain: God made him. This Jesus, whom you crucified, Lord and King, what happens next? What's an, what's something else that we ought to consider whenever it comes to the presentation of the gospel? Okay, this is the next piece that I want us to see here, verse thirty-seven. Now, when they heard this, or when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and Peter and the and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So, when the gospel is presented. There's a responsibility for the hearers to, of, of that gospel to respond in faith. What must we do? Right? Now there's, there's really two broad categories of ways that you could respond there. One would be rejection. One would be submitting to this gospel. Right. Submitting in faith to this gospel. So we see this gospel presentation laid out. We see the Holy Spirit from beginning to end. We see the scriptures throughout. We see um, presenting a a big, powerful, mighty God who's bringing this work um, to completion. We see um, the responsibility of uh, the hearer, the responsibility of the lost here um, in, in what they've done and how they've participated in this. And then we see the response that they ought to bring. Here, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to him. So this is super simple after a whole lot of gospel presentation. When the, when, when someone comes, having heard the gospel and asked, What shall I do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So will they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? If you hear the gospel presentation... So we've come out of the study of election and there's this idea of hardening of the hearts. We get this presentation of the gospel and is the gospel call effect... Like this idea of the, effect, the effective call of the gospel, the effectual calling of the gospel. Here's what I will say to you. If the gospel is presented to you and your heart asks the question... It may not use these words exactly... But if your heart says, What must I do? What shall I do? Upon hearing this truth, repent, believe, be baptized. You have been called by God. Respond in kind, right? Respond in kind. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39. We get this um, idea after the presentation of the gospel, after the presentation of uh, repentance and belief and baptism here, and then we get this true reality. For the the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. God called to himself 3,000.
1: And no miracles were performed there, just the preaching of the gospel. Preaching of the gospel. Yeah. Like the next part talks about. How all came through them, but it was all among believers where all yeah. took place. And I mean, that's another. Yeah, I, that's another study topic altogether. But still,
0: so when we think about the effectual call of the gospel, we pray that the Holy Spirit moves. Yes. yes, we pray that He moves in us as we present this gospel. We pray that He moves in the hearts of the hearers as the gospel is presented. Let's not worry about whether or not they're, and I'm an air quote, called. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's let God worry with those details. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? Let us present the gospel faithfully, and when their hearts say, What shall I do? What must I do? We tell them repent, believe, be baptized. Right? Um, Let's be faithful. Let's be faithful in that in how we present the gospel to a world that without the gospel stands as enemies of the God who created them. Um, so we're going we'll close we'll close with that.